look at the next couple of verses um, in the book of Philippians. We're almost at the end. This is chapter 4. We're going to look at, uh, we're going to start in verse 14. Yet yeah, it was good of you to share in my troubles. This is Paul talking to the, the, the Philippians. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Um, sorry for those of you guys who are struggling with the sun. It will, our planet will continue to rotate and it will, it will not be as problematic as the morning goes on. <clears throat> um, so I thought we would look at the idea of, um, of not just generosity, but of giving and receiving and of giving and receiving through the lens of our model of look up, lean in and, and reach out. And the first thing that that leads us to is giving and receiving as worship. And the place that this all starts is the reception of Jesus in, in our lives. Jesus is the ultimate model, the ultimate picture of generosity. Not just in his death, but in his life. He gave everything that, that he had in the best way that he possibly could everything that he had in the best way that he possibly could, up into including his life as a sacrificial offering on our, on our behalf. So that's the place where we have to start, is that all generosity starts with God. James chapter 1 tells us that all good gifts come from the Father of heavenly lights. Right? If you have received something that you would consider a good gift, its origin is with God. And when we think about generosity, sometimes there's a, a little bit of pushback um, that, uh, I, I mean, I've wrestled with. It's like, well, well I, maybe I don't want to be generous. This is my money. I worked hard for this, or this is my time, or whatever, whatever it might be. But the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy tells us that even the ability to generate wealth is a gift from God. And so by by the way we treat the gifts that God gives us, that's the greatest indication of how we feel about them and how we feel about the gift giver himself. Right? So we start with the idea of Jesus' ultimate gift for us, and are we at a point, have we entered into that relationship with him? Have we accepted that generous, generous gift? Remember, this is giving and receiving. Jesus gives us his gift, but if we don't receive it, doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Um, the next point is up there is, is image bearing. When we act like Jesus, when we treat each other the way that Jesus treats us, that's glorifying to him. We're reflecting his image to the people around us. That is an act of worship. And then finally, the idea of hearing and obeying. Any act of generosity, of giving, 
or receiving for that matter, originates with the Holy Spirit, right? And it's one thing to hear from the Holy Spirit, to experience that nudging, that prompting, like you should do, this is something you should do, this is something you should do. But it's an entirely different thing to act upon it as well, right? So the hearing and obeying, when we get prompted to give, when we get prompted to graciously receive a gift that somebody offers, it's an act of worship, right? So the first thing we want to think about is giving and receiving as an act of worship. We want to think about giving and receiving as relationship. You guys remember all the way back to the spring when we started uh, the book of Philippians, we, I reviewed the backstory that's found in Acts chapter 16. And Paul, we meet some really interesting people, right? Paul brings the gospel to Lydia, a woman who was defined by her wealth and her high status. He brings the gospel of Jesus to a slave girl who was defined by her abuse and her captors and the, the things that she wasn't able to do. And he brings the gospel to um, his jailer, which is a whole other thing, but who is a, a civil servant who's basically whose status was defined by his ability to obey the rules and to do what the, the authorities said. And he brought all those people together under Jesus in this new community. And the, the crazy thing, so Paul is a Roman citizen. He um, kind of creates this ruckus by sharing the gospel with these people. He gets thrown in jail. He gets beat up. He gets tortured. None of that should have happened to him as a Roman citizen. They get freed. If you remember the story, there's, they're in jail. Paul and Silas are in jail. There's an earthquake, and their jail is busted open, and they get freed. And the jailer's like, oh, my gosh, I'm, you know, they're gonna, I'm going to lose my life because you guys are escaping. Paul's like, relax. We're not going anywhere. They go back to the jailer's house have a big party, a bunch of people come to know Jesus. Word gets back to the authorities that like these were Roman citizens that you guys threw in jail and had beat up. And they're like, well, go tell them to go. Like, we, they, they can go, they can go. And Paul's like, uh-uh. They can come here themselves and they can walk us out. And you can read in between the lines, they can apologize. And I don't think Paul was just being a nudge Right? I, think, I think Paul, was, he did that for the sake of that Philippian church that was just born when he was there. He was establishing this expectation with the authorities there that like he's a Roman citizen, these people are his, they're his friends, and he's willing to come and stand in the gap on their behalf. So the story of the Philippian church and their relationship with Paul goes all the way back this is 12 years before Paul writes this letter to the Philippians. This goes 12 years back to his initial encounter with them. And this is the beginning of the sharing, right? We call this, this series together. It's the sharing, Paul and the Philippian church sharing their troubles, sharing their difficulties. Paul's not going to leave them. He's not going to let them face the Roman authorities by themselves. This is the beginning of them supporting each other financially. It's the beginning of their sharing in the gospel together. It's the beginning of them growing in the gospel together. <clears throat> and I've said this a couple times, it's about the giving and the receiving. This is Paul who planted the church, who these people all look up to as a, like a, a spiritual authority figure, a guide, a mentor. 
um, a leader, and he is in a bad way, and he doesn't say, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm good, I don't need anything. He graciously accepts their gift, and they, they give to him multiple times, multiple times early on in his ministry, and multiple times when he's in jail. You guys, look at me. Sometimes the most godly thing we can do is to graciously accept a gift that someone wants to give us. We give them the opportunity. There are people whose gift is generosity. There are people who have the gift of hospitality. There are people who um, are just generous with their time and want to help around the house. We allow people to exercise their gifts when we graciously receive. Paul and the Philippian church were all up in each other's business. Right? There weren't a lot of secrets going on there. They were very real with each other. They knew what each other's needs were, and they stepped into those needs, and they allowed each other to meet those needs. Does that make sense? Are you guys tracking with me? Like that's hugely important because it's sometimes it's difficult to be on the receiving end of that. But it's okay. It's necessary. It's good. It's godly. All right. Um, and then lastly, that that interesting statement about um, Paul didn't really like he was grateful for their gifts, but he didn't need them. Right? He said what he was excited about was that they were credited to this account. And this is like a, it's an accounting, Paul was using accounting language, and that there was, in a spiritual sense, the gift that the Philippians sent to Paul out of their poverty, out of their need, the sacrificial gift that they gave, was like check marks, was like pluses in their kind of spiritual ledger. To, him, to Paul, that was like, they're growing in their faith. They're giving sacrificially. They're acting like Jesus. The gospel has taken root in their lives and they're living it out. Like that was what he was most excited about, not just the, not just the money. All right. And then lastly, uh, the out aspect of giving and receiving as countercultural. As I was doing some preparation for this, I found a, a website and um, it's basically an organization that helps um, with fundraising, and it was, uh, it was about the Philippian church and about how they gave out of their poverty. They gave so much to Paul that it put them in need, right, that they needed something now, and Paul's response to that is when you, when a follower of Christ f- follows the prompting of the Holy Spirit to give sacrificially, your needs are going to more, be more than taken care of, God's going to make sure of that. That's a promise from the God of the universe who has the resources of the universe in the palm of his hand. And this organization that wrote this piece that had this pithy little phrase that we live in a culture that too many of us live beyond our means. The Philippian church gave beyond their means, right? The difference between living beyond our means and giving beyond our means. The call upon the follower of Jesus is to imitate Jesus' sacrificial giving. The way that Jesus gave to us put him in need. His life. That's the call upon it. It's a high, it's a high, high bar. And like I said, Gail and I have experienced that sort of giving 
firsthand from you guys. And it's a huge, huge blessing. So um, when we choose to give out of our need, right, um, God not, he doesn't just meet us there. He more than meets us there. It, it's kind of like if you think about if somebody who's got a bazillion dollars says to a little kid, here you go, kid, here's a buck. He gave, the bazillionaire gave out of his riches. If he goes, if that bazillionaire goes to any, any community that's in need, right, and says, you know what, I'm going to make sure every kid in this community goes to college. That's giving according to his riches. The rich, that's the phrase that's in there, that God will make sure all your needs are met according to the riches of the glory in Christ Jesus. God gives according to his riches, not just out of them. His riches are overflowing. Right, we talked a couple weeks ago about how Jesus is in all, through all. He holds all things together. He started everything. He holds it all together, and he's going to complete everything. Those are the riches from which he has access to give to us. So, what is it that God is saying to you this morning about giving and receiving? Maybe you're feeling moved by the Holy Spirit about who God is this morning. This generous, generous God who wants to meet your every need according to his riches. And you need to trust him with something. There's something going on that you need to allow him access to. Or maybe it's just that relationship. You know, maybe you're at a point where you need to recommit to that relationship with Jesus as being your savior, your God, your king, your friend, your brother. Maybe you're here this morning and you're hearing this and you know of an issue or a person or a circumstance or a situation that you're feeling called to give to. Time, talent, resources, money, whatever, whatever it might be. Finally, maybe you're here this morning and you're just in a bad way and you need to be on the receiving end of that. And I would encourage you to let me know, I would, Kevin, one of our elders in the back of the room, to let him know. Um, and if you guys, like, go see Kevin, he'll pray with you. But also, if the, the, we, prayer is the most important thing that we can do for each other, so that's where we start. But the, the tangible needs that a community like this has the ability to meet, please, we can't meet a need we don't know about. So um, that's where we're at. I'm going to leave like 30 seconds or so of silence, and then, um, and then I'll pray. And then I think Ben's got a dismissal reminder or two for us. So let's just uh, quiet yourself down, take a few deep breaths maybe if you want to close your eyes, <clears throat> and ask God what it is he might be saying to you this morning about giving and receiving.
Jesus, first and foremost, we thank you so much for you. Uh, we thank you that you thought of us long before any of this came to be. And your desire is to be in relationship with us. And that you, um, through your life, your death, your resurrection, your ascension, your promised return, you made that possible. So we say thank you. We thank you that you are our ultimate model of generosity. We thank you for Paul's um, model of graciously receiving the gifts of the Philippian church and the model of the Philippian church giving out of their poverty and out of their need. God, open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us this morning about trusting you more, about giving, about receiving, whatever it is you might have to speak to each one of us this morning. God, please remove the obstacles that would keep us from hearing from you, and then give us the courage, Lord. Would you give us the courage to act upon what you're speaking to us? We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. Amen.